0: turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26 beginning, I was going to read, beginning with verse 36, but about 4 or 5 o'clock this morning, I was reading the few verses before that, and I want you to hear those as well. Matthew 26, let's just start up. At verse 31, tonight, Jesus said to his disciples, all of you will desert me. God will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will scatter. But after I've been raised from the dead, thank God he was raised from the dead, and Easter is about the resurrection, I will go ahead of you to Galilee And I will meet you there. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, Jesus, I never will. Peter, Jesus replied, you know what the truth is, Peter? The truth is this very night before the rooster crows, we know three times, you're going to deny me. No, Peter insisted. Not me. I'm there with you. Not even if I have to die with you would I do such a thing. I will never deny you. And all of the other disciples vowed the same. Then Jesus brought them to an olive grove called the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, sit here a while while I go ahead and pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he began to be filled, Jesus, with anguish and deep distress. He told them, my soul, Jesus said, is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. Jesus went on a little further and fell on his face on the ground praying. Some of you have asked the question, why in the world should I pray? Why should I spend that time? Look, if Jesus prayed in anguish, in pain, under pressure, you need to pray too. He set the example. Jesus said, my Father, if it is possible... Let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will, Father, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them rejoicing and worshiping God. Right? If I could tell you today what I think one of our major problems as God's people when it comes to spiritual truth, power, and knowledge, we have fallen asleep. Peter, James, John, the two sons of Zebedee, they fell asleep. Jesus said, look, guys, I need you to stay awake. I need you to stay alert. But what did they do? <coughs> fell asleep. that was the first time he come back a second time after praying and and he he could he said keep alert and pray otherwise temptation will overpower you for though the spirit is willing enough the body's weak and again he left him to pray and he father if this cup cannot be taken away until i drink it your will be done he returned again and found him sleeping Then he came to the disciples and said, Look, the time has come after the third time of seeing them sleeping. Couldn't stay awake. Jesus said, Look, the Son of Man has been betrayed into the hands of sinners. Look up. Here here the betrayer comes. The soldiers are here. What we see is Jesus being betrayed. On December the 8th, 1941, the President of the United States, Franklin Dillon Roosevelt, said the following words. Yesterday, December the 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America has suddenly and deliberately been attacked by naval and air office, or forces of the empire of japan this speech was made on the heels of a surprise attack by the japanese forces on the united states naval base in hawaii Owy- or, Owy- or oahu or <laughs> oahu known as to us the pearl harbor pearl harbor pearl harbor the attack of Japan and the speech by Roosevelt was a catalyst that forced American America into World War II. Last night, I turned my TV on. Now, you may not be following this, and I'm not in the military, but I've been following it. If you hadn't got it by now, you ought to get it. We're on the very verge of war. And if I've never seen God move, he sure moved in North Korea the other day. God's over there. Because when they wanted to stick one of those missiles in our nose and rub our noses in it, it blew up. You think that was a coincidence? You're asleep. That was no coincidence. That was God Almighty. October the 29th, 1929, the stock market crashed and led into the Great Depression. November 22 1963, John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. April the 4th, 1968, the assassination of Martin Luther King in Memphis, Tennessee took place. January 22nd, 1973, the year I graduated from high school... The United States Supreme Court handed down its decision against Roe versus Wade. Do you ever wonder why decisions that are important and God says don't do it, why they still could keep creeping their ugly head up in every presidential election, including the last one? Roe versus Wade was a major player in statement in the choice of the president of the United States where the decision effectively legalized abortion resulting in the death of millions of unborn babies of which I will say somebody will stand for that before God. September the 11th, 2001, the day radical Islamic terrorists declared war on the United States by flying occupied passenger jets into public to Twin towers in New York City and an attempt in Washington. And guess what? We see the enemy is still working. Days are still being made into important dates, but Satan is still alive. These dates, among many other dates, will definitely be printed on the Americans' minds forever as long as we can remember them. But there is one date over 2,000 years ago that taught us and will continually to teach us about the Savior and have something to say about the human condition of where we stand today. When Jesus finished praying, he said, Guys, look up! I'm now being betrayed. But you know what I've noticed, guys? We're betraying him today. We scatter like flies when we get uncomfortable. I'm going in a minute, give you some good reasons not to give up on sharing Jesus. Let me tell you something. Those people who say that you're a fanatic, those people who say that you're overboard for Jesus... Those are the same voices of the enemy. Those are the same voices. How could you be overboard when someone did what Jesus did for you? And yet, where are we? Asleep! We're asleep! The only thing that brings us alive and brings us aware of anything that goes on is our businesses, our money, our jobs, our hobbies. What goes on with us? Jesus didn't let that get involved in any way in his life except the Father's business. And he said, yet not my will, but Father, your will be done. Yes, Jesus was in a human body. And yes, it was like yours, except it did not come from the Adamic nature. It came from the bloodline of glory, of heaven above. But it was still a body. He still had pain. He still gave his life for you and me. He died a cruel death. The Bible says, I've been trying to pronounce this all year, week long. See, I'm from Tennessee. And sometimes words mess me up. Flagellum or flagellum, nickname, scorpion, better known to us, the cat. Of nine tails. This was the first thing that they did to Jesus. They scourged him. The Bible says that when Jesus was sold out by Judas for thirty pieces of silver, the Bible says that the Roman government turned their back and and went after him with rage. The followers of Jesus turned their back on him and rebelled against him. Crucify him, they said. The first thing that we know that when Jesus was in the garden, we wonder why did he pray with such intensity? Listen to Luke twenty two forty four. Jesus prayed more fervently as it got closer for the time of him, him facing his judgment for sin In such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Does that sound like our prayer meetings? No! We don't pray with that kind of intensity where blood pops out of our head. You want to know why Jesus prayed with such intensity? Because he knew the pain that he was going to face. But more than that, he knew the evil that was coming his way. And Jesus was not an evil man. He was a sinless Savior who died for you. I'm going to tell you something, guys. When we get in our head that we think we got it all worked out, we got it all figured out, and we determine what we're going to believe, we're going to conceive and accept, you're in serious trouble. Now, I'm going to tell you what I enjoy today because they tell me that if I want to know what influence I really have and the Spirit has and the church has, that's a good thing of Easter. We ain't had this many people in a while. Can I hear the church say amen? amen. And I love every one of you. And you, can, you can't have it because it ain't mine to give, but we'll try to save your seat for next Sunday. Because I want everybody. Well, you know, some, they tell me that, and this is free, won't cost you a nickel, let me tell you this, but they say that a sanctuary will only stay full up to 80% of its capacity. You want to know why? Because we get uncomfortable sitting too close to people. You better be glad Jesus was willing to get uncomfortable. You better be glad that Jesus didn't consider his comfort when he went to the cross and died for you. He laid it on a lie. You know what? Let's make the fire marshal mad in a different way. Let's just pull out chairs not to break the law, but let's just get to the edge of it and say, Here we are, Jesus, under pressure in anguish, in pain. Listen, if I'm not describing about 90% of this congregation today, including this preacher, I don't know the pressure and pain and anguish that Jesus went through. But I face all the other stuff just like you do, And I know you brought into this house today much of the same thing that the Bible says Jesus died for on the cross for you. Mark 15, 25, the Bible tells us, Pilate anxious to please the crowd. I'm going to tell you something. God forbid I ever get to where I have to please you. If you got a preacher that just has to please you because you don't like what I'm doing, I promise you I have not done anything in the last six months that was not godly. I prayed my way through. I I wasn't followed by man. I was followed by the Spirit of God. If you don't like it, I can't help it because I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please God and Jesus. And that ought to be your prayer. That ought to be the way you live your life. Don't matter whether you make your mama, your daddy, or, or whoever mad. Follow God because that's ultimately where you're going to stand and spend the rest of your life. I was going to say this because I really believe it's all in my heart. Today, I wished I was where our buddies on the other side are, where my mama is on the other side. Can you imagine Easter in heaven? Good night. They've got to be having a celebration. We have, oftentimes, a, a service of remorse, not celebration. <laughs> so Pilate, anxious to please the crowd, released Barabbas. He ordered Jesus flogged with the lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers and said, Crucify him! Kill him! You know what's on? Missing on this thing? Bones and metal on the end. One short one. The first thing, and it may not get to all of them because I'll get to the most significant stuff. The first thing they did to Jesus, and the reason he was in such agony in the garden, because he knew they were going to scourge him. First of all, verse 15 says, they took the cat of nine tails. They would tie a man to a pole and stretch his skin so it was extremely tight. And then a soldier would take with the metal and the bone on the end, and they would uh, beat him across the back. They say, history, when you pulls it back, It pulls chunks of meat out of your back. It tears arteries, capillaries into where you begin to bleed. Why did Jesus do that? For the same reason that he spent such agony praying about the cup of the suffering. And let me tell you why he did it. He did it for you. He did it because he loves you. He did it because there wouldn't be no no other way your sins would have ever been covered. Unless he did it. You see, what he did was final. And what do we do? It's a free gift. We accept that gift of the price that he paid. And guess what? His blood then, now what? Covers your sin. You see the scourging and the blood that fell and the eternal organs that were exposed and many times the men's eyes were put out. Most of them died before when they were beat with a cat of nine tails. Listen to me. Jesus didn't die until it was time. And he laid his own death down. I said a very... Bold statement one time, because some people get upset what I'm fixing to tell you. But if suicide keeps you out of heaven, then Jesus ought to be in hell. You better hear me. He laid his own life down. It was until he said, it is finished, that he died. He committed spiritual suicide that gave you an I eternal life, a free passage into heaven's glory. Oh, my goodness. Sometimes I just pray, God, I'd like to be with you and at the feet of Jesus. So often we forget that he was beaten for us Isaiah 50 verse 6 says, Jesus said, I give my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who beat me, and my cheeks to those who pull out my beard. I was in getting my hair cut, and I heard this dear sweet lady, and I love her to death, but she's very religious. And she looked at some dude sitting over there, and he had a beard on. She said, he needs to cut that stinking beard. I thought to myself. If I read this correctly, let me read it again. Maybe I didn't read it right. He gave them permission to, basically, he he submitted to beating of the cheeks and the pulling out of, how do you pronounce B-E-A-R-D? A bear? Okay, where did you go to school? My thing is this. Jesus biblically had a beard. So cut out your religious junk talk. He shouldn't have a beard. I don't care what you think. Jesus had a beard? Come on, guys. Why, why do we major on the minors? We're so doggone picky. And then we see the Bible slapped in our face. Well, this one, if this don't grab you, it should. Isaiah 52, 14. Just as there were many who were appalled at his appearance. Why? Because Jesus was so disfigured. You hear that? Now, this is prophecy, but we know it took place. Beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond, beyond human likeness. Jesus was beat to the point they couldn't recognize him. February 25th, 2004. Not sure if I was on that date. But I was sitting in Conyers in the cinema house. Some of you, I'm a little older now. I can't remember who I went with except my wife. In me. I know there were others that went to see the movie The Passion. Ladies and gentlemen, I realized why they rated that movie R. It wasn't because of cussing. It wasn't because of nudity. It was because of what I could not watch. Now I don't know how many of you, how many of you saw The Passion? Okay, well, I'm not going to ask you what you did. I'm just going to tell you what I did. When it came to the part that they beat Jesus, honest to God, I had to take my hands and put them over my eyes and warm tears running down my face. I said, thank you for taking my beating because I deserved it. But he took it for me, and he took it for you. Look, ladies and gentlemen, don't say, don't say that he's not worth your sacrifice, your service, your allegiance, your commitment. Don't say y'all. Oh, I don't believe I could give enough of my life, of my call, of what he did that day, that night, when he turned himself in, because he had it done. I was thinking about Darius and Jess, because just in a few minutes, their life right now, is, to me, is more important than this message. They're going to leave tomorrow, head to Chicago. That's a war zone in itself. Not slamming it. My grandfather came from there. Lord of mercy for anything like he was. You know what when Darius gave his testimony in Melvin's class, Melvin, I didn't get to hear him the first time, but he said the same thing pretty much on Wednesday night. Darius you wrong about me. I'm in Georgia. In my own home, driving my own car. I got my kids around me. My grandkids around me. I've got all my, my family that's living right here with me. I'm living, I'm living the dream. You know where Daris and then we're going? After Chicago, you heard that he's going to Turkey to get their stuff. Where are they going? To Petra. They're going to the border, Jordan, of Syria. Let me tell you something. Do you know when Jesus comes back? Darius is going to go just like every believer that's going to go. But when he comes back, he's going to be seeing the church he started. We ain't going to be over here. The Bible says we're going to be over there. I told Darius, I said, Darius, this thing with listening to your testimony and and, and listening to what God's done in your life, I'm envious of that. I I really am. It ain't going to be easy, and he knows it. But I said, Darius, when you get set up, He's going to start a church over there, and by golly, I don't care how much you complain and how much you have to hear about us supporting him in Pedra. Shut up or find another church. Amen. That man, let me tell you what Charles Roselle said to me the other day. He said, Mike Franklin, your church will be no more powerful than God. Then they're willing to give to the world mission project, to the home mission project, to those that are serving around. And if we are only worried about ourselves, that's all you'll get. And there'll be no power. There'll be no supernatural. You go to the book of Acts. I'm sorry I'm scaring all the kids, but I'm scaring me too. (laughs) I I didn't think, this ain't nowhere near where I thought this message is going. The book of Acts says when the Holy Spirit came, they sold their own house, they sold everything they had, and they brought it together and they gave it to the poor. Have I done that? No! And I'm not trying to put that guilt trip on you. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when the Holy Spirit is working full charge and power in your life and mine, we get concerned about Darius and Jessica. We get concerned about Gerald Brown going to Nicaragua. We get concerned about where we've been in Mexico and Honduras because those people, they're so poor, and you're so rich. You say, I'm not rich. You're a whole lot richer than they are. I see those poor kids when I lay my head down at night, and I see their hunger, and I see a lot of the things that go on, and they don't, they live in things that you you wouldn't even put your lawnmower in. Am I telling the truth, guys that have been there? Say amen. amen. You wouldn't even put your lawnmower in it. You say, preacher, you're making me feel guilty. If anything makes you feel guilty, you finally woken up. What Jesus done on the cross for you and I ought to demand 100% sacrifice out of us. And this is what we should say. God, not my will, but your will be done in me today. That's godly. That's what the Bible says. You can hold yourself back. You can try to manipulate and control your life all you want to, but all you're going to get is sinking sand. The Bible says that what he wants the foundation of the church to be is precious stones, gold and metal, not wood, hay and stubble, and not sand. Better listen, because you're going to stand before Jesus on every bit of that who loved you so much to have his energy ripped out for you. And I'm going to tell you how we're going to close this service. Darius and and Jessica, if you would, I want you all to come up here right up front, and I'm not asking you to do anything other to pray for them. They're they're leaving their comfort zone. And and look, they've been two years in Turkey. Now, I know Darius is German, But but he ain't going to bite you and he ain't going to shoot you. I checked him for knives, guns. But Darius and Jessica love Jesus. And I know we can love Jesus and stay here and serve where we're at. But you know what? If God calls us to go serve somewhere else, we got to go. But I want some of you right now to begin to pray that God would let you go to Jordan. Because we're gonna take a trip. Yeah, we are. And we're gonna partner with his church in Jordan. You say, well, Mike, that microphone messing up. Ain't that about the way the devil works. <clears throat> we're, gonna, we're gonna partner with him. And and he's not gonna feel like he's gonna alone, because you know what? Some of you gonna get his address. Some of you too sorry to write or can't write but you could get somebody else to write. We're going to write them letters. And you know what? In some of those letters, as you go out, there's, there's a pretty picture of, of Jessica and Darius out there on it. Handsome, I mean, on for Darius. And you can get those cards, and, and you can just get in your prayer closet called the war room. Y'all remember that, right? I know that might, you might have fallen asleep, but we're supposed to be in the war room. And we can pray and say, you know what? If God does something in a supernatural way and blesses me, then we can bless them. Hey, over here, it's easy to to do a lot of things that in Jordan, when they ain't going to know, they're not going to know anybody. And yet, they're going to attempt to start a church. So, what we're going to do is Joe comes